The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. The emphasis here in, in the psalm uh, from David, he's, he's really putting a lot of emphasis in, uh, here on taking refuge in God. Uh, that God is a place that you can run. I hope that you, you know that. A lot of people, here's the truth, a lot of people run from God when they should be running to God. Uh, a lot of times people fear God in the sense of they're afraid of God, they're afraid of going to God, they're afraid of how God is going to receive them. And, and here's the truth, the enemy uh, wants you to run from God because God is your protection. Uh, the enemy wants you to run from God because God is your strength. The enemy wants you to run from God, and by the way, he'll use my circumstances and your circumstances to cause you to run away from God. Uh, we think of the illustration the psalmist often gave of the shepherd and the sheep, and what happens when a sheep uh, gets afraid? He runs away from the shepherd. He runs away uh, from his protection. He runs away from the strength of being together with the fold. And, and the truth is, is sometimes that's just us, isn't it? We, we get in positions in our lives and we feel afraid and we're in trouble. And instead of running to God as our fortress, as our refuge, we run from God. We get away from him. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times uh, uh, just talking to people and, and how many times even in my own life where I've had to talk to someone because uh, I was running from God or, uh, or they were running from God and just trying to tell them, hey, listen, uh, the devil wants to isolate you. He wants to keep you away from uh, the blessings of God. He wants to keep you away from protection and keep you away from strength. And there's so many things in life that are telling you, run from God, run from God. But I, I tell you this morning, we only need one thing to know to run to God. And that's the fact is, is, is he is our strength. And he is our protection, and he is our help. And, and the, the psalmist here didn't know what to do, if you would. He was in a situation he was unsure of what to do. He was unsure of how to respond. And, you know, isn't it true that most of life is not necessarily what we do, but how we respond to what's done to us? How we respond to the circumstances that are around us? How we respond to uh, what happens to us? And many things happen to us in life. And uh, let's just be honest on, on the truth. Life is not fair, is it? It isn't. If you're looking for fairness in life, you're never going to find it uh, because life is not fair. People are not fair. Uh, things that happen to us are not fair. And, and the truth is, if you're looking for those and, and those are the only things that are going to cause you to do what's right, we'll never do what's right because uh, we're not looking, if you would, for fairness. We understand this morning as God's children that uh, what would have been fair to us is that we perish. What would have been uh, uh, fair to us is that we, that we be left in hell because of our sin. But the truth is that God has been gracious and merciful toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God sent his only begotten son into the world to die on the cross for our sins. And here, if we're redeemed, if we're saved, if we're washed in the blood of the lamb this morning, uh, hey, listen, we didn't get what was fair, but that was really good for us, wasn't it? We got blessed. Uh, Jesus Christ gave us what we didn't deserve. Isn't mercy just holding back uh, what we deserve? And has God been merciful to you today? Uh, sometimes when we feel sorry for ourselves, we feel like uh, things have been unmerciful. And sometimes if we're not careful who we're really accusing, who we're really pointing to, although we may assign blame to a human being, although we may point in the direction of a person, a family member, or somebody in our lives, the truth is ultimately we're all pointing at God and blaming Him because God is in control, is He not? 
God is sovereign, and He's in control of all things. And, and sometimes we, we like to assign things, but really we need to uh, let all those things go and say, I'm not going to allow my circumstances to keep me down. I'm not going to allow what's happening to me to keep me from protection, to keep me from the Father, to keep me from where I'm safe, uh, uh, to cause me to be flushed out. If, uh, if you know the tactics of an enemy, often what they'll do to the opponent, if you would, is get them to, to be scared so they make the wrong move. A lot of times when we're afraid, we make the wrong move. You ever see that guy, uh, maybe in that film, and you're like, don't go up the stairs don't run out the house. Uh, don't stay. Don't go. Why are you doing that? You're saying, you dummy. Why are you doing that? Uh, why are you doing that? Sometimes we watch sports and we coach from the couch, right? Why did you make that decision? Why did you go that direction? Why did you make that move? And, and boy, outside looking in, I wonder if God is not looking at our lives and saying, why are you doing that? Why are you running from me? Why are you even afraid? Because you're safe. Uh, I'm with you. We have to realize that this morning. And there's three things I want to look at that the psalmist came to the conclusion of what to do when things are being done to me. What to do when something happens. What to do in response to my circumstances. If you're following along uh, in your uh, uh, worship bulletin, the the guide today, right in the center section, uh, number one, what to do when others do wrong. What to do when others do wrong. In the first eight verses, other people are doing wrong. Uh, David kind of sums up in those first eight verses uh, kind of almost the same thing that is said in Psalm 73. He looked at the wicked. He looked at those that were around him. He looked at the evil that was being done by people, the wickedness of this world. I don't know about you, but if if I just turn on the news or uh, I catch up on an article, I'm always amazed at the wickedness that's in this world. Uh, Some of the atrocities and things that people are doing to other people, uh, some of the things that people are just doing, uh, not necessarily to someone, but just in action, just doing some of the despicable, some of the shameful things uh, that humanity is capable of. And David was in a circumstance where he was looking at the wicked, he was looking at the world, and he was saying, what am I supposed to do, God? Uh, There's so much wickedness around me. There's so many people doing things they shouldn't. If we're not careful, what we will do when people do wrong around us is we will begin to compare ourselves to them. We'll begin to say that they're doing wrong and I'm doing right, and and we begin to make the measure of right and wrong us and our actions and our practices rather than the measure, the true measure that God gives us in his word. We were reminded, Psalm 19, that the law of the Lord, uh, the the, the righteousness, the judgments of the Lord are, are true and righteous altogether. God's word is the measure. God's word is the standard. Uh, God's word is what we need to compare ourselves. It's a mirror that we look into. Uh, Have you ever looked at one of those funny mirrors in a carnival? Boy, it doesn't always give you an accurate representation of who, who you are. I think some of those funny mirrors are some of the department stores that sell clothing. Uh, sometimes they give us an unrealistic measure of what we truly are. You ever you seen some of those mirrors and you stand in front of the mirror and uh, I know this is just the guys that do this and you try on clothes and you say, boy, I just look thinner. Uh, I, I just, I just, it's amazing. It doesn't matter. Your weight didn't change. Uh, uh, your complexion didn't change. Your age didn't change. But boy, uh, the reflection is just reflecting something back that's pleasing to you, something you enjoy to look at. And if you're not careful, you'll allow an unjust balance. You'll allow something that you shouldn't measure yourself by to be the standard uh, for which you look at yourself the way you reveal yourself. 
The truth is that we look into the mirror, uh, the perfect law of liberty, and we understand what we are. We understand who we truly are. And uh, let me just help you this morning. The devil is, is in one of those funny houses with a lot of mirrors uh, trying to show you who you should be, uh, trying to project, if you would, false images, uh, images of others, images of, of, of other standards of, of things that we see in this world, and saying, you need to look like this. Uh, you need to strive to be like this. And people just beat themselves up and hurt themselves themselves and abuse themselves and hurt their own bodies so that they can somehow look or achieve, uh, if you would, this is what they want to look like. And if you're not careful, you'll look at the wicked around you and you'll think, boy, they look like they're successful and they're having fun and, and all the things in life are going their way and, and, and they're, they're having that life that I want to have, I want to be happy, I want to have joy and they seem to have it and, and you're comparing yourselves to them and saying, this is what I want, the truth is this morning you don't want that. It's an unjust balance. What do I do when others do wrong? And here David says this in verse number one. Notice his response. He says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my what? Trust. Say with me, do I put my what? He said, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust? He says, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to put my trust in you. Notice uh, he puts his trust in God for a few things. He puts his trust in God for protection, for protection. You know, so many people invest millions of dollars, uh, companies in this world, uh, for what they call security and protection. Uh, it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry in the world that we live in. People want to feel safe, don't they? People want to feel secure. Uh, people want to feel like nothing is going to happen to them. And sometimes the truth is, is the security doesn't actually protect us. It just makes us feel protected. And uh, boy, people put a high price tag on feeling safe, don't they? Isn't it interesting how the devil in this world can uh, give us a false sense of security a false sense of hope, a false sense of feeling safe and saying, hey, listen, this is a refuge you need to run to. This is a place that you can hide. And can I tell you this morning that the devil's a liar. He's a deceiver. He wants you to run to him and he may be promising you protection, but he will never protect you. He will always expose you. You cannot hide. He will always, always be the accuser of the brethren. Many people have run to Satan and his crowd and found themselves under accusation, found themselves uh, under incredible duress and guilt and shame. The truth is this morning, you can run to Jesus for protection and the devil will never offer you despite what you think is safe, despite what you think is secure. Uh, Isn't it true that perception is reality though? Sometimes we may perceive it to be safe. We may even think it to be safe. We may even feel safe. But can I just tell you, Christian, we don't live life by our feelings. We live life by the fact of Scripture. We go to the truth of God's Word and we say, God's Word says this, and I believe that God's Word is true. And despite what I feel, I must embrace the facts. I must embrace the truth of Scripture. And true protection is found in truth, not lies. A true protection and security and safety is found in the one who is true. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus Christ is the truth this morning. And you can run to him for protection. Don't be duped by the devil this morning and run to another place. 
Notice he ran to him for protection. Notice in verse number 3, he ran to him for strength. He ran to him for strength. He said, God, I need strength. He says in verse 3, for thou art my rock and my fortress. He says, I'm not strong enough. Listen, uh, friend, when you get to the point to where you think you're not strong enough, you're in a good position because then you're ready to admit that his strength is perfect, that his strength is enough, that you can't do it alone. We live in a world that encourages independence, that encourages that people would stand alone on their own two feet and get things for themselves. And can I tell you again, it's just smoke and mirrors. It's a lie. You can't attain things on your own. As as I stand here this morning, even physically, I understand that I am not here. Uh, There are no self-made men. Nobody has made themselves. Uh, I can just easily go back, and and the first place that I can look to is understand that I came uh, uh, from my parents. And my parents had raised me, and they nurtured me, and they provided for me, and they sustained me. And I understand that I cannot take credit for what I am, because where would I be without that? And none of us are self-made. As I look around the room, all of us understand that we need one another that we cannot make it on our own, uh, that we, we cannot stand alone in this world. And boy, there's nothing that the devil would rather do uh, to get you isolated, standing alone by yourself so that you're easily preyed upon. Anyone who tries to stand alone doesn't stand alone well. Even in the world, don't they say, behind every great man is a great woman. They say behind every great person is someone who is great that has helped them, who has supported them, who has propped them up. Boy, even in our Hollywood industry, don't we understand uh, that the actors that are the playwrights are uh, the ones that do the actual and get the credit, if you would. Uh, the truth is that without the writing, without the direction, without the, without the cinematography, without the score, without all those things, if they just stood alone on their own, they would never be uh, applauded for anything. Nobody stands alone. The truth is, uh, we don't stand alone. And when we stand alone, we are vulnerable. Don't you isolate yourself from God. Don't you isolate yourself from His Word. Don't you isolate yourself from God's church. Uh, The truth is, that's the devil's ploy in your life. He said for protection and for strength. And notice in verse number 3, he said for guidance. He trusted God for guidance. Where do you go when you need to know what to do? Who do you go to? You know, when you go to certain individuals and you confide in them, it reveals who you trust. It reveals where your trust truly is. And some people, the truth is, even Christians reveal that they trust people more than they trust God. They confide in others before they ever confide in God. And the truth is, is a lot of times those same people will complain that people betrayed their trust that people betrayed their confidence. Can I remind you this morning that God will never betray your confidence. He will never betray your trust, that we're imperfect as people and we cannot be confided in perfectly. Only God can be confided in that way. Hey, have any of us ever been a perfect confidant? Have any of us, have any of us have been perfectly trustworthy? We're not perfectly trustworthy. The truth is we know not even to trust ourselves. In the world that, the, uh, that we live in says, follow your heart and trust your heart and follow your feelings and do what you want and do what makes you happy. And you understand why they do this because they're serving themselves instead of God. But we who are the servants of God must put our confidence in God, our creator. 
He's for our protection, for our strength, and for our guidance. Not only uh, what to do uh, when others do wrong. Trust. Number two, what to do when others hurt me. What to do uh, when others hurt me. Truly, uh, how I respond to what others do to me reveals more about me than what people actually did to me. How I respond to it, what my reaction is when I don't get my way, when I don't get what I want, it reveals our our character, it reveals uh, who we are, it reveals where our faith is. A lot of times uh, that's what happens. We don't get our way. And, and the truth is, uh, we talked about this a little bit in our adult Bible fellowship this morning. Uh, when, I, when I'm trusting and confident in men, I'm always going to be let down. And when I'm trusting and confident in them, a lot of times I will use people for an excuse as to why I am not what I am supposed to be. The truth is, your parents may have failed you, but that's not an excuse not to be all that you should be today. The truth is, is that People around you may have failed you, but that is not an excuse uh, not to be who you should be. Are we not uh, truly inspired by people in adverse circumstances who don't use those circumstances as an excuse not to excel and be who they should be? As a matter of fact, the heroes in our world are people who rise above their circumstances. They're people who, despite adversity who despite all the odds and cards being stacked up against them, uh, rise above all these things and are able to achieve success, are able to achieve, if you would, something in this life. What are we without adversity? Well, we would be the same as a bodybuilder without resistance. Someone who, who never puts weight on the bar, if you would. How often uh, do we complain about the weight that God puts on the bar and we should really be looking to God and say, God, thank you for putting me in a position to become stronger. God, thank you for uh, being in a position. Come on, are you with me today? The people who I love and admire the most that have had influence in my life are the people that said no to me, are the people that resisted me, are the people who stood against me when I wanted to do something I shouldn't have done. They were not the people who let me have my way. They are not the people who encouraged me to do what I shouldn't. They are not the people who were in my rah-rah corner when I was doing wrong. The people who are the, the most influential in our lives are the people who stood against us when we did what was wrong and helped us to find the right way. Isn't that the truth? I can't tell you as a youth pastor how many times uh, I talked to a teenager who grew up and became an adult and said this, uh, they had hurt and even hatred in their heart for their parents because their parents never resisted them. Their parents just enabled them to do everything they wanted to do. And here's the truth, I had to tell them that day, hey, listen, just because your parents didn't do right, you can't blame them either. Hey, listen, the truth is, is, We need resistance in life, and God knows it. God knows it. Come on, the truth is, without resistance, our flesh would be strong, and our flesh needs to be weak. Uh, Yea, our flesh, as Paul said, should be dead. Uh, We need to be dead unto ourselves and alive unto Christ, strong in the Lord and the power of His might, weak in the flesh. The Bible tells us this again and again. Come on, we live in a society that wants to strengthen constantly the desires, the heart, the dreams of us. And really the truth is, God was not made to do our bidding. We were made to do His. Uh, We're not going to God and say, God, give me my way. We're saying, God, let me do things your way. 
God, I want to do what you... Isn't Jesus the perfect example? Lord, I want to do your will. I'll follow your way. I'll be about your business. And truly, we find purpose. We find strength. Even when others do wrong to us, even when others hurt us, when we run to the Lord and then we respond the way David responded here when others people, other people hurt them. Truly, David's not the example, but Jesus Christ is the example who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Uh, the Bible gives us that example. He says, wherefore, when thine enemy, he said, therefore, if thine enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Hey, listen, when uh, that uh, person that is your enemy wants to take advantage of you, wants you to go a mile with them, go too. When they want your coat, give them, when they want your cloak, give them your outer coat as well. And throw in your shoes. You say, I'm not going to live in this life and let people take advantage of me. Can I tell you the truth? People are going to take advantage of you whether you want them to or not. Whether you let them or not. But the advantage is that letting them understand that you don't worship the things they want from you. That those things are nothing to you. That you are in this life to serve your creator and to bring honor and glory to him and do good to those, even to those who don't do good to you. I I understand this is a hard message for me uh, this morning, but we need this. David is giving this counsel. He says, hey, listen, what do I do when people hurt me? Look at verse number nine. He says this, have mercy upon me, O Lord. And my years was, uh, he said, for I'm in trouble. Mine eyes consume with grave. Yea, my soul and my belly. Get this this morning. When others do wrong to you, when they hurt you, what should you do? Ask God. Ask God for what? For mercy. For mercy. You say, what in the world? Why would I ask God for mercy? Mercy for me? Yes, mercy for you. Notice not just mercy, but notice what he says. He says in verse number 10, he says, My strength faileth because of my iniquity. Not only did he ask God for mercy, he asked God for forgiveness. I wonder this morning how many of us would be honest with ourselves from Scripture and say, When someone hurts me, that's when I want to confess my sins. No, when someone hurts us, we want to confess their sins. But the truth is, you can't confess their sins. What David did when he searched himself out, he found himself to be a sinner, and he asked God for mercy, and he asked God for forgiveness for himself. Because the truth is, even though sometimes people hurt us and do wrong to us and give us what we don't deserve, the truth is that many times we don't see it as God's merciful act in our lives. God was being merciful to David by allowing him to go through what he was going through. Isn't God rich in mercy? You with me this morning? Isn't God, he's truly rich in mercy. Uh, God, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. God has been merciful, long-suffering to us. So we understand that God's mercy, not giving us what we deserve, and sometimes when people hurt us, we want to say this, I don't deserve that. No, the truth is, we deserve a lot worse, and it's God's mercy that he's holding back his wrath on us, his judgment on us, and when we stand and judge ourselves, 
and say, God, I've been wrong. Lord, as much as I don't enjoy being treated this way, I know I've treated other people this way. As much as I don't enjoy doing... Hey, listen, had David ever treated someone wrongly? I think of one name in Scripture, Uriah the Hittite. Did David steal from him? Did David commit adultery on him? Did David wrong him and slander him and lie about him? Did David kill him? David did all these things to Uriah the Hittite. Notice, this was a time when he noticed these things were being done to him, but the truth is, have we not all sinned against the holy God? Have we lied? Have we stolen? Have we cheated? Have we coveted? Have we even committed adultery in our own heart? If not physically, we've done so spiritually. We've gone and and betrayed him and walked away from him. And he's been good to us and loving to us and merciful to us. But how many times have we turned our back and ran from him and and betrayed him and and, uh, 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 spoke out against him even from our own hearts? Yet God has been merciful to us, has he not? He's loved us. Has there ever been a time where you've gone to God and said, God, be merciful to me, and God has not been merciful? God, be gracious to me, and God has not been gracious to you? And God has been that example. What do I do? Ask God for mercy. Ask God uh, for forgiveness. And ask God for restoration. Listen, a truly spiritual heart, when they're hurt, doesn't desire vengeance. They desire restoration. They desire to be brought back. Listen, people that sow discord among the brethren are divisive. God hates that. It's a sin, the work of the devil. And sometimes Christians even go and do that work. When something happens they don't like, they go and they get around a a bunch of people and they begin to talk about what this was done or how that was done. And, And boy, they just try to gain, if you would, a crowd of people to back them. And the truth is you don't need anybody to back you, friend. Christian, God has your back. What in the world are we doing when we run to others and sowing discord? We're allowing what's done to us to destroy God's work in our lives. And the truth is, we're not each other's enemy. When we begin to view each other's brothers and sisters in Christ as each other's enemy, we're wrong. There's sin and iniquity in our own hearts. Listen, my brothers and sisters, we're not enemies. We're to love each other and to protect each other and encourage each other to run to one another. God cannot bless a group of people who get so internal and accusatory towards one another that they don't trust in God and don't pursue God's mission in his heart. Uh, God, uh, God writes Ichabod on the doors of those churches who never uh, look outside because they're always looking inwardly, feeling sorry for themselves, enabling themselves. Listen to me. The people who are opposing that behavior in your life are your friends. And the people who are encouraging it are your enemies. They're encouraging you to do what's wrong. Hey, listen, I don't want to give ear to someone who's doing wrong. I want to give a a shoulder. I want to give a hand. I want to give a helping hand to encourage them and restore them. Hey, listen, ye which are spiritual, the Bible says, restore. Restoration. Did not God love us so he could restore us? Truly loving behavior is always restorative in nature. I want to restore Hey, listen, what's your desire today? Is it restoration? If your brother has sinned against you, go to your brother and him alone and no one else hears about it. And if they hear and they receive what you say, you've gained your brother. Restoration has taken place. It's amazing how some of us, we want to 
tell, publish it on the mountaintop when we're hurt, uh, when, we're, uh, when we're hindered, or when we don't get our way. The truth is that spiritual people want to keep things small, that love covers a multitudes of sin, that want to help and want to restore. And, and that's the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not trying to blow things out of proportion. We're trying to make things, minimize things, and say, hey, listen, we need to be right before God, and we're all guilty anyway, aren't we? We need to do what's right. When others hurt us, and then lastly this morning, what to do when others are blessed? I don't know about you, but sometimes it really hurts when I'm not getting blessed and I see someone else getting blessed. You with me? In this case, David actually assumed that the wicked here were getting blessed. Psalm 73, he even uttered the words, God, why are you blessing them? Why are you blessing the wicked? Why are they blessed? Truly, he didn't understand blessing. What do I do? Listen, not when enemies and the wicked people get blessed, but sometimes if we're not careful, when we're in this circumstance and we're down and we feel opposed and and we feel embittered and we're unforgiving and uh, we've got to get these things, you know what happens is we'll see other people that are blessed, that God is blessing, and we'll begin to be jealous and envious We'll begin to want what they have. We'll begin to want their relationship rather than, hey, listen, isn't that what happens sometimes when people in a a relationship look outside of their relationship for something? Listen to me, it's just as wrong, Christian, when you look outside of your relationship with Christ to someone else's relationship with Christ and desire what they have, just as wrong as if in your physical relationship, in your marriage, you looked outside of it for somebody else to fulfill and be what that person is. You say, oh, oh that husband's so kind. I wish, I wish I had a husband. I wish, I, I wish that would happen. I wish, and they begin to, if you would, look outside of their relationship for sustaining Look outside the relationship for satisfaction. There is no satisfaction outside of our relationship with Jesus Christ. You believe that this morning? And that's when we commit spiritual adultery. We look at other people and their blessings, and we begin to want their relationship with God instead of having our relationship with God. Listen to me. None of us should be in this room together. And I I don't want you to look at me and want my relationship with God. And I don't want to look at you and have your relationship with God. All of us have a very unique story, don't we? A very unique relationship. If I was to ask you today how you came to Christ and uh, ask you if you're a married couple, how you met each other, the stories would be different, wouldn't they? They'd be very different, very unique in how you met and get this, fell in love with Jesus How did you fall in love with Jesus? How did you meet Jesus Christ and fall in love with him? I hope this morning that it would be a very unique story. It would be something that you would say, yes, uh, uh, this happened in my life. It's, It's undeniable. It's amazing. It's a miracle. Listen to me this morning. If you can remember entering into a relationship with Christ and having a loving relationship with him, go back to your first love. Go back to it. The answer, the key is not doing more stuff. Some people, they do that. say, I'm not happy in my Christian life. I'm not happy in my Christian walk. If I could just do more stuff, if I could just do more things, if I just had more areas uh, that I could do, if I could work, if I could labor, if I could do more, listen to me, none of that stuff and busyness is going to give you a relationship with the Lord. Our relationship with Christ is not in the things that we do. It's in what he has done 
for us. And when we find our relationship with Christ in all the things that we try to do for God, before long, those things get old and we slide away from God. And we begin to worship what we do for God more than God himself. You can't tell me that doesn't happen in physical relationships and marriages with couples. Listen, the truth is this morning, if you're having marital problems, the best thing you can do is go back to your first love. It's not be more busy. It's not work more hours. It's not add on more responsibility. It's run back to the relationship that you got. Run back to that first love. Hey, listen, uh, Jesus said this, I'm somewhat against the church because you've left your first love. You walked away from your love. Come on, how does the flame get rekindled? Uh, how do we get re-strengthened? How do we get re, uh, re-encouraged when we go back to the point to where we re- were reminded of how much we love Jesus Christ? And we love him because he what? He first loved us. And boy, does he ever love us, doesn't he? And he's never stopped loving us. And just because you're looking at someone else and it seems like God loves them more, don't you believe that lie? God loves you just as much as he did the day that you met him. He loves you before you were formed in the womb. He loves you. He loves you. He loved us before we were born. Jesus Christ died on the cross thousands of years before we ever came into existence, and Jesus loves you. So sad when we try to replace love with labor. Get the truth. If I truly love, I want to labor and I'll do it gladly and joyfully. But I cannot labor into love. I cannot work myself back into love. I must go back to the person of love. Jesus Christ is a source of love, isn't he? He is love. And any other form of love that is not like him, boy, sometimes we... We manufacture our own love. And that's when we truly are not in right relationship with God or with each other. Because we try to make our own love work. My love doesn't work. My love fails. But his love never fails. His love never ceases. His love never discourages. Listen, don't love each other Don't let us not love one another the way we know how to love, but beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That's what the Bible tells us. What do we do when others are blessed? We praise God. Look what he said in verse number 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Verse 21, blessed be the Lord, for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. Hey, listen, David, at this point, his circumstances didn't change one bit. He was in the same circumstances that he was in the beginning of the chapter when he spoke these words. What changed about David was not his circumstances. What changed about David was him. He changed. And when he changed, 
He began to not look at his circumstances for love or joy or satisfaction, but he began to look to God and he said, Oh God, you've never stopped being good. God, you're good. Verse 21, Blessed be the Lord. Verse 23, Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. I wonder this morning, are you proud to be known as a child of God? Are you proud of all the stuff you do for God? Those are two different kinds of pride. Some are proud of what they have accomplished. But I am proud, and you are proud as a Christian, I'm sure, about what God has accomplished in our lives. I'm proud of God this morning. How about you? Proud of God, not proud of me. Proud of God. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of promotion. Uh, That pride means to be lifted up, means to be inflated, means to be given, if you would. All these things. Listen, when we are prideful, we are robbing God of the glory He deserves because He deserves the praise. Notice, for praise, for glory. And then lastly this morning, for courage. Verse 24, be of good courage and He shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Where's your hope today? Is your hope in that others will finally do what they should do? Is your hope in that you will finally be treated and be given your fair due? Or is your hope in God? David, listen, we're all in good company. All of us have felt this way and done these things. David said, all that hope in the Lord can be glad and have joy. I wonder, where's your hope today? Is your hope in yourself? Is it in your good works? Is it in what you can accomplish? Is your hope of heaven? You say, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, when you're go- where you're going when you die. Is your hope of heaven in the fact that you've somehow been a good citizen, a good person, a good religious person? Or is your hope in Jesus Christ? Because without Christ, we are hopeless. We are without hope. None of us could be and know truth apart from Christ because he is truth and he is life. And there is no life apart from Christ. There's only death. And the truth is this morning, if your hope or your faith is in anything else, you're going to be in despair in your circumstances. And sometimes as Christians, we find ourselves running back to those old habits and hang-ups and baggage that we carried in, if you would, when we met Jesus Christ Come on, as a married uh, person, have you ever carried any baggage into your relationship that you kind of drug out uh, and then you had to put back? Or actually, the best thing to do would not be to put it back in the closet. It would be to throw it out in the trash and to never take it back out again. Sometimes we drag things out. We go back to, if you would, things that we thought we loved before. I would ask you this question if you're a Christian. Has your love changed Because when you are a child of God, you love differently, don't you? You love different things. You love doing different things. You love being with different people. It's just changed. It's revolutionized the way that you look at the the life that God has given you. And I wonder this morning, uh, do you have that kind of love? Christian, if you've gone away from that and you're looking to people to make you happy, you will never be happy. But if you're looking to Christ... You can be happy all the time 
Paul said, I think myself happy. Where was Paul when he was happy? In the prison. Where was Paul when he was happy? After being beaten with many stripes. Where was Paul when he was happy? After suffering shipwreck after shipwreck. Where was Paul when he was being pursued and people were casting and throwing stones at him? Where was David when he said, Oh God, you are so good. Running from his son who wanted to kill him. Circumstances come and go, but Jesus never changes. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.